Welcome to Waiting for Review, a show that follows the journeys of two iOS developers. I'm Dave Knott, an iOS developer from Devon, England. And I'm Dave Wood, an iOS developer in Wellington, New Zealand. Join us as we discuss the development, code and technology of our journeys. Okay, so this week we thought we'd talk about skills that we find that we lack as indie developers. Um, skills that we find when we get into our apps and you start developing a product, you find that there's suddenly a whole load of skills that you come to need. Having been through a couple of app releases, I've become quite aware of this myself. Although I'm interested to hear from you, Dave, is there one thing in particular, one skill that you found that you massively lack? I think when starting out um, with, with with my own apps and starting out particularly with go vj that skill was um design skills sort of more than anything else was actually being able to sort of think about um sort of proper ui design um and then actually getting into the nitty-gritty of of, you know using um products outside of code to sort of design things like assets and icons and things like that um and I know we, we've we've kind of spoken a little about a bit about that in the past, um, but um, yeah, design is the the big one that um, sort of leaps out at me because I was all the way from um, a sort of basic prototype through to sort of functioning what I thought was um, a kind of MVP for Go VJ, um, and then I I let. A friend used it um, when I was down the pub um, who was out with a couple of people that he worked with. And one of those guys was was a designer. That that was his role in their company. Um, and he took a look and he sort of went, yep, you know, it's a fine, fine prototype, a fine thing that does what it is supposed to do. Um, but that's not really ready to be released to the App Store. Um, and it's Were you ready for that kind of feedback? Um, I'm not sure I was fully ready for it at the time, um, but it was the right time for me to hear it. <laughs> so I, I kind of had that whole sort of moment of like, oh, right, okay, I've just spent however long developing this app. I, I was thinking about going to the app store pretty soon. Um, and I had to take a, a sort of step back um, and I, I got a bit of advice from those guys Um and you know, took that sort of fairly, fairly immediately to heart, and then kind of redesigned things sort of from from their advice, but then also from sort of reflecting and sort of thinking, well, okay, they're saying the, the, you know these these bits don't quite work because of X, Y, and Z. What does that really mean? Is there a way that I can you know restructure things here to just sort of work better in general? Um, and what it was, the problem there was that I had I'd come at the the app um, completely from the point of view of um, very stip- very stereotypical developer point of view, um, and I'd actually tried to sort of cram a lot into the the, the interface um, in terms of controls and things like that that the app needed um, <laughs> without really sort of thinking about the flow. Yeah. Um, so that step back and that advice and that moment was was definitely needed before I could really sort of launch Go VJ, um, and it did encourage me to sort of think better about um, about the sort of user experience and and the UI itself of the app. Um, and then I think that also sort of fed into um, taking on more of a design ethic 
um, in general, really. So <clears throat> I think um, one of the one of the best resources I found for design uh, was a book called The Non-Designer's Design Book. I don't know if you've come right. across it. No, no, I haven't. Okay, so it's by a designer called Robin Williams, um, not the comedian. <laughs> um, and I think it's quite an old book, actually. I think it goes back quite a way, probably to the 90s. Um, okay. So that's, that's actually kind of funny because as you read the book, it's, it's actually some of the fonts and things it's using um, are kind of dated. Um, but the approach and the way that it breaks down um sort of thinking about design and thinking about sort of your layout um and this is this is talking about general design this is talking about desktop publishing business cards menus sort of typical kind of day-to-day sort of design use cases um and um just just kind of going through that and, and going through the examples in that book um because it encourages you to sort of think about okay what is wrong with this design you know how do you think this might look better um and it actually comes up with some general sort of rules of thumb um and things that can sort of guide you to sort of um honing honing your eye um and i found that quite helpful um i i can't claim that that my apps are necessarily absolute works of art in terms of design at all um but they certainly look a hell of a lot better than they would have done had i not sort of started to think about those things at all it's easy to forget how you improve over time as well um i was sort of decluttering my file system the other day and i found some old work that i did from 2012 i think it was yep oh yeah it was awful (laughs) (laughs) i yeah, at the time, I can remember making that and thinking, yeah, that's really good. I've worked really hard on that. And I think I was confusing working really hard for it being really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, the correlation between effort and output obviously are not equal, are they? Um, and I put in a lot of effort, therefore I thought it was good. And I can remember at the time, had anyone challenged me on it, I'd have got really defensive and probably not taken it on board. Yeah. And I think with, certainly with design, it's very easy to do that. Almost like when you were saying when when your friends looked at your app first of all and said, "Oh, yeah, I don't think that's quite right." Yeah, it, it, I think you kind of have to sort of grow a little bit in terms of maturity as a developer to sort of take that stuff in a good way. Yeah, because it's very very easy to get get defensive and then completely miss the point of what people are saying, or just immediately discount it by being like, "Oh, they don't know what they're talking about." When you know, probably yep. you should really be listening to these people because. Especially I find if I'm designing anything, even now, I'll kind of design something and I find I need to not look at it for a while. Yeah. And then maybe like the next day or the day after or a few hours, whatever, I'll come back to it and then I can look at it way more objectively than I can once I've just sort of finished it and zoomed out and looked at the finished product. Because normally I'll look at it and be like, yep, that's great. And then give it give it a few hours and I'll come back and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not right. And I think having that feedback from your friends is um, is important. Yeah. Um, but it's also important that you actually treat it as feedback. And, yeah, you don't have to agree with it all. You can obviously make calls that go against what people are saying, but I think if you're just doing that, you've probably got a problem. No, I, I totally agree. And I think, um, for me, that was definitely... It was a hard moment in, in some ways um, because, like I say, I, I wasn't necessarily... 
um fully ready for for the sort of honesty really as well um but it was necessary and it was it was very useful um and i also think that um there's there's something there in terms of being quite careful about the people that give you feedback um because i would rather have sort of blunt honesty now um than somebody going oh yeah that looks lovely that looks awesome you know to, yeah, well to abs- you worked yeah. hard on that <laughs> um you know, and the working really hard thing, that that's something that a lot of people suffer from. And it really is the sort of sunk cost fallacy um, kind of at large. You know, you've put all of that effort in, so it has to, of course, it's good. Um, well, that, that doesn't necessarily mean anything other than you have spent all of that time. Um, so, I mean, you know, obviously there's good things and things that, that, that are quite intricate are always going to take the application of a level of time. Um but it's it's not um, it's not the be all and end all of of, of what you've built itself. Um, as yeah, I used, I used to really struggle with that big time in just in what you were saying about time because I'd spend hours on something and then if it didn't turn out to be quite right, I would look at that time that I'd spent and be like, well, I've just completely wasted that. You know, some people have gone to work all day and earned a salary and come home and you know tick the box and I've been productive and earned money and I've just sat here and blown away six seven hours on completely nothing um, yeah and i used to really beat myself up about that uh, but now i've kind of almost gotten used to that in a way and i've kind of come to accept that probably 60 percent of my work maybe more i'm probably just going to throw out and i think having that in the back of my mind constantly makes me more more accepting of the situation i quite often find myself in um so one of the other skills that i know I've sort of needed to develop over time with my apps is a sort of general view of marketing and kind of how a view of how the app is going to look sort of to the outside world um, in places like the app store and on its website and how I'm going to sort of get that out there to people. Um, I think has that been something you focused on quite a lot with your apps as well, Dave? Um, it's something I'm focusing on right this moment, actually I'm coming very very close to a, a 3.0 release of armchair um, my remote control for cody so right now i'm basically prepping new websites video production all of that kind of stuff so it can hopefully look its best on the app store and and online and it's uh just touching on the video production quickly that is way harder than i thought it was going to be yeah um i've been watching uh, certainly recently i've been watching a lot more youtube certainly with the Apple TV that makes it a lot more accessible now. Um, so I've kind of developed a bit of an interest in how the videos are put together because I obviously watch a lot of channels. Um, say, for example, CGP Grey, I watch quite a lot of his videos. And I, I've been kind of intrigued as to you know the editing process he must go through to create those videos. And I was kind of intrigued to have a go, go at it myself just for making some like App Store trailers and uh, wow, yeah, it takes a lot of time. It takes an yeah. awful lot of time. I really wasn't expecting it to take this long. Um, and just you know, it, the way you edit things, when it, it can come down to like one second either way, can make it feel really awkward or not awkward. Yeah. Um, and especially, I've kind of got a newfound appreciation for people like CGP Grey, because if you look at his videos, quite a lot of the time, the video follows the speech. Right, because they're very fast-paced educational videos, so it's like you learn a sub, or sort of discuss a, a topic in quite a lot of detail in like four minutes. 
So it's really fast paced and quite a lot of the animation and the text that appears on screen follows the the, the pace of the speech. And uh, yeah, it's funny how you can just sit there as a viewer and take it for granted. And then when it actually comes to it, it's a, it's a lot harder than you thought. So I was kind of, I guess, maybe caught off guard a little bit with the yeah. video production. Um, it's all done now and reasonably happy with the result. I mean, it's my first kind of attempt at it, doing it properly. So I think it's always going to be one of those things that I'm going to come back to in a month or two and think I can do way better at that. So, um, yeah, I'll definitely be wanting to improve on it, but it's it it definitely caught me by surprise that one big time. I think it's um it's something as well that I remember sort of catching me from um by surprise with um Go VJ as well. Um sort of in the past and and certainly when I came to launch Holovid um uh, because with Go VJ I, I had some support with that app um in terms of a promo video. Um, a friend of mine actually who works, um, as a motion graphics artist, um, helped me and put together a a advert video for me, um, sort of to launch the app with, um, well, that's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, no, that, that was really, really appreciated at the time. Um, and it, it helped, um, the, the sort of launch day stuff quite a lot. Um, but then I put together my own video when it came down to, um, to launching Holovid. Um, because I couldn't really ask him for his time again in the same sort of way. And I wanted to sort of try my hand at it as well. Um, and Holovid had what I thought was going to be quite a simple sort of video um, in terms of um, I'd sort of got a camera on a tripod and I show people how to make the um, holographic projector that is necessary for using with the app. Um, and I have a design for for that um projector you essentially um print off the design you stick acetate down to it over the top um and you cut the acetate out and the way it folds around constructs this little pyramid and then you can put that on top of the phone or on the ipad and it works with the device and it gives you this sort of prism hologram kind of effect where the image reflects up um i recorded a video of that uh with a a tripod over the top of my hands on a table kind of showing that being done um and i thought okay well i'll I'll shoot the video and um i'll get a few sort of close-ups of of the the effect itself with with another another phone recording what's going on on my phone um and getting that edited together and getting it to look at least sort of passable um was really quite tricky because you're immediately up against sort of like, okay, getting the the, the colours and the lighting kind of looking okay. Um, Just simple things like, again, I have music and getting the pace of everything to sort of follow that music reasonably well. Um, Yeah, there's there's a lot more within video editing um, than it sort of looks like from outside looking in. No, definitely. And it was a massive time sink that I certainly wasn't prepared for. I think I'd allowed maybe an evening to do it. Yeah. Uh, it definitely took a lot longer than that. <laughs> so, yeah, to say it to say it through my schedule out was uh, probably an understatement. I think that's probably fair to say of um, of marketing in general and and all of those sort of bits that go around marketing. In terms of if you're a developer first, it's very easy to sort of look at those tasks and kind of go, "Oh yeah, that's only this amount of time," and completely misjudge your sort of skilling up time 
getting your brain into that space as well, even if you're you know, perfectly capable of putting together the video or doing the website or whatever it is. Um, if your focus has been within the app itself, as sort of doing, doing the iOS development and all of that side of things, to then sort of switch gears and kind of go, okay, that's done now. I now need to go and do this completely different skilled thing, you know, in order to sort of get this out the door and launch it. Um, I think it's very easy to sort of underestimate that time. Yeah, and I think my website for Armchair Remote is a is a very good example of that. The the website that is currently live as we speak, um, I looked at it the other day, having not looked at it for a, a short while, and it just astounded me as, as to how poor it was. And um, and I can tell you exactly why it is poor. It's because I kind of rushed it out in the last kind of you know the last kind of five minutes really in in terms of the whole project lifespan it kind of got to the point where it's like, ah, I need a website. So I quickly made something and I, I just didn't really give it, give it the amount of time that, that I should have done. And I think, you know, when it comes to web design, you know, showing off your app in the best light on the web, I think it goes way beyond just knowing how to code HTML and CSS and, and whatever it is else you use. Um, it's almost like a, a separate skill set to being a web designer is almost that you need to, be able to create something that captivates people and you need to kind of create a, a distilled message about your app and, and convey that to people in an engaging way. Because if you can't do that, you know, the, the code that's required to make the website is almost useless. Yeah. Um, and again, so there's almost two skills there. There's first of all, you need to be able to code websites. And then second of all, you need to be able to kind of understand how to pitch your app at, a, at an emotional level to make it enticing to people to people that are going to be you know hitting that website um so i'm kind of yeah that is kind of my job for today actually when we hang up this call is to is to finish up what i'm doing on that site and uh so maybe by the time this is out there'll be a yeah this this will be live hopefully uh yeah but yeah it's definitely taken again taken up more time than i thought and and the coding i i initially came at it thinking well you know it doesn't take me long to code a website because i know how to code html um, and then when I got to actually thinking about what I wanted to say and how I wanted to position the app and how I wanted to describe it, that took way longer than all the coding put together. Okay, so one thing that struck me when I first um, launched Armchair, which was kind of yeah, my first proper app, I suppose you could call it, um, was the support overhead that came with it. And that that was something that I'd never really had to do before. Um, with any of my other apps because they were just you know, so simple little games that required no support but armchair was a little bit different so i found that i almost had to have this different kind of skill set of helping my users in a, in a support role um you know responding to criticism as well that kind of comes part and parcel with support i always find that with my support requests there comes a request for support and then at the end there's usually a sentence that is either explaining how they're not happy with a certain feature or would like a new feature or something. So it's all it's all a, a balance. Um, so I'm just curious, Dave, how you find that and whether that's something that you found as a shock when you, I guess, you first launched GoVJ? Yeah, so um, one of the things that I, I'm quite thankful I had the sort of foresight to do before launch was um, I used a service called Zendesk to um, to sort of wrap up my support emails. Um, so with Zendesk, you can um, you can forward all of your um, support emails through their service, um, and it, it um, 
links up with an app and um it sounds like such a simple thing but for me it was great because it meant that the first time i got a, a sort of piece of support email come through um i was out and about doing something um in the local city and i got this this push notification on my phone um and then i went for a coffee and i was able to respond to the support request within sort of 20 minutes of it coming through now i wouldn't you know necessarily want to promise that sort of level of support all the time um because that's that's not the type of space that my apps are in at all but being able to to sort of get that and be that quick was really quite good and um that that was my sort of first experience of of, of getting um a support request and it did kind of come with an element of um like like you say you've got the problem and then you've also kind of got the the sort of it's almost a backhanded kind of criticism that comes along at the end of the the request as well (laughs) um i think you know looking at it objectively it is that people have have reached a point where they've had to ask you for support and then um equally they're still frustrated that they've not been able to just solve the problem um or that they've even had to sort of think of it in that that sort of way and that they kind of then choose to vent that you know it's, it's kind of almost a case of well while i'm having to send this email i'm also going to kind of just just you know put the boot in a little bit on the way um i guess to sort of make themselves feel a bit better with with that um I don't know, but in my case, being able to respond quickly uh, meant that I was able to sort of turn that one around quite quick um, in terms of like they then replied back quite quickly and we kind of had a little conversation going on for for over the course of an hour or two. Um, and I, I managed to sort of get them to a point where um, I hadn't actually been able to solve their, their problem at all. Um, they were on an older device and they were trying to use um that it was a um it was the oldest iPad that could possibly have ran go VJ at the time. Um and they were trying to use it with with um video that was um of such a resolution that the files were about as big as they could possibly be. So it was an edge case scenario that they were mixing gigantic videos on an old device and it was it was grinding the app down to a halt. Um or rather it just wasn't as quick as they would have liked it when it was mixing the videos. Um, but being able to have that conversation, being able to respond quickly and, and, and thoughtfully, I was able to sort of turn that into a situation where, um, although they, I think they got a refund with the app in the end, um, but they did have sort of finished things up with when I've upgraded, I'll come back and I'll check your app out. Well, that's a good way to, to wrap things up, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and I, it's, you know, I've been quite lucky. I've had, for, you know, for as many bad experiences I've had of being on the other side of receiving those those sort of complaining or, or um, like I say, slightly aggressive kind of requests for help that you can get sometimes. Um, I've had good ones as well, and I've had scenarios where people have sort of finished up and sort of said, "Oh, thank you. I'm I'm now going to go and give you a review," um, and that's that's awesome, you know, to sort of have that sort of mix as well um but i know it's not always like that either and i know sometimes you you can sort of get criticism come from outside in that you weren't necessarily expecting um you know when you're putting your your apps out there into the world and you've got social media presence and everything else people can come at you uh kind of from any angle and i I think you had a bit of that recently didn't you dave 
Yeah, I had something this week on on Twitter. It turned out I followed somebody who has a um, who basically fundamentally doesn't like uh, my app. Um, so I've I was kind of subject to a bit of a I wouldn't call it a fight on Twitter, but it was a yeah, it wasn't particularly pleasant on Twitter. And um, yeah, I hadn't I've not really experienced that on Twitter at all. And the whole time I've been on there. Normally it's all kind of exchanging pleasantries and ideas and, you know, it's, it's gen- I've, I've always found Twitter to be really quite nice. Um, so I was a little bit kind of surprised and a little bit shocked um, that I was kind of getting that kind of stuff sent to my account. Um, it, it was all kind of sort of barbed comments and snark and, um, yeah, then other people started jumping on the bandwagon as well. All right. And it's, so had, it's easy to do a, on Twitter, isn't it? It is. You had a bit of a dogpile moment there, did you? Sort of from their, I think their so. followers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, then sort of followers of that person would retweet and then like her snarky responses. And, uh, it, it, yeah, it just kind of went on like that for a couple of hours. It didn't last very long. It seemed to, you know, disappear, as most yep. things do on Twitter, pretty quickly. Um, but, yeah, I just felt it was a bit of a shame. Um, the way I dealt with it was... I kind of invited the person to have a like a, a direct conversation with me about what it was that they felt the issues were. Yeah. Um so you know part of that was obviously to try and get it out of the the public part of Twitter because I wasn't particularly happy that I was just basically being named and shamed really in front of everybody. Um and there was no real constructive feedback in those tweets either. It was just kind of um yeah just expressing the you know how they, how they don't like the app it's like well, what why don't you like the app you know can we have a conversation so I, I, re- I reached out you know very politely and said you know my dms are open it'd be good to talk more um which you know has now taken place yeah and you know it, it, the conclusion is we're gonna have to agree to disagree i think on the reasons why um you know they don't, they don't like the app but nevertheless i think it's fair to say at this point the situation has been diffused but it 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 came out of nowhere that one and it completely shocked me and it was all because I followed someone on Twitter that's all that started it so it just goes to show that you can never be fully ready for what might happen or what might not happen um, especially when you start involving social media yeah I think um, it's you know from from my point of view sort of looking outside into to how you you handled that Dave I don't think there's really um, really any other way that you could do and sort of still remain professional really um you know this is uh like I say it, it was unexpected it was out of the blue but you you tried to answer their questions sort of find out what there was that was constructive there and um and at the end of the day if if, if there wasn't really anything there that you could could build on then you know all you can do is, is kind of leave it there and, and move on really yeah, I and mean, the way it was left, the last DM um, was the other person sort of giving their side of it, and it was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm not going to win here. There's no way I can convince you that, you know, I, I feel my app has value when obviously you don't. So, I, I think I've just kind of left it really. I think if I was to go back again, it would only sort of fan the flames and potentially make it worse than it already currently is. So I think where I've left it is as kind of as good as I'm going to get in kind of the context of damage limitation. So, <laughs> um, yeah, win some, you lose some, I guess. Um, that, that kind of brings me, uh, brings me into another skill 
that I think is is perhaps lacking sometimes as as an indie developer. Um, and that is kind of knowing when to switch off, you know, knowing when to sort of take some some downtime, or, or in that case, knowing when to to walk away, as it were. Um, in that, um, I think it's very easy to sort of get wrapped up completely in 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 your own project and and your world that you you're developing uh, within your app and and everything else. Um, and I think sometimes it, it can be it can actually be quite difficult to sort of find that 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 balance in terms of sort of the life going on around you and making sure that you're getting getting your projects a little bit further along you know if it's a side project then it's that's happening outside of your your day job as well um and i think sort of learning when to to sort of switch off and take that downtime and how to sort of fit that in i think that can be can be a skill in its own right as well yeah i would definitely agree with that <laughs> it's uh it's very very difficult i i've i think i've gotten better at it as time's gone on when i think back to when i first started doing this i was pretty awful um i still consider myself not good yeah um, but i think i've probably made progress i don't know maybe i'm not the one to actually answer this maybe uh yeah maybe heather could give a more accurate answer as to if i've made progress or not but i think i maybe have maybe uh, similar to yourself there dave as well i'm not sure i would rate myself um as, as being great at it at all um just in terms of, I mean, we've we've just you know, completed um, emigrating from the UK to New Zealand, and I've, I've been settling into a new job, um, and just you know, being in a new city, a new country, and everything else. And I've also been kind of here and there, sort of beating myself up that my my indie projects are not as far along as I'd like them to be. Um, I'm not sure where I imagined I was going to get all this extra time from. Um, but you know this is this is that sort of gap there between um where i would like to be with these things or, or where i think i should be you know versus the reality of well there are all these other demands of my time as well going on around me and you know other things taking absolutely taking a higher priority to to sort of side projects and, and indie projects um but yet you know, because I've got the drive to kind of want to keep doing those things as well. Um, that, that's been something that's sort of been, been getting at me from time to time. Um, and I've had to sort of take stock and kind of, you know, learn to be realistic with myself really. Um, and, and, you know, be prepared that, you know, maybe go VJ doesn't get its updates until sometime into next year. Maybe that, that's what, that's what happens. Um, I'll be disappointed with that. In, in some ways but then in other ways you know we're filling the time with with lots of other wonderful things sort of exploring the the new place we're in and you know enjoying everything else that we've worked for to sort of be here so um there's there's something there for me i think in in just it's something i come back to quite often which is reminding myself okay how how do i get the, the best balance what is the right balance for sort of my time in terms of work side projects and everything else um and i think it's important to, to sort of reassess that and be aware of it and i i, I guess i bring this up here <clears throat> and in a show where we're talking about skills that we may may want to develop or have to develop sort of as indie devs um because i i kind of see that tendency with a lot of developers is that 
yeah, the tendency to want to to just be doing the code or the app or the projects and kind of all the, the side projects are also based around that passion. Um, and then other things around the outside of that, you know, family life and everything else. I think some of those things can actually suffer at times if you don't sort of take a bit of a conscious effort to sort of keep things in balance. Okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could give us a review on iTunes or if you're an Overcast user, if you could hit that star to recommend us, that'd be great. Uh, Also, we'd like to remind you we have our Slack channel and it'd be great if you'd come and join us. Our hope is that it can be a great place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, there'll be instructions in the show notes or you can just send us a message on Twitter at WFR Podcast and we'll get you signed up. So Dave, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at DWRoboHeads, that's RoboHeads with a Z, and you can find my applications at RoboHeads.com. How about you, Dave? You can find my remote control for coding at armchair-remote.com, and my app to help kids learn to read you can find at spacereaders.com, and I am at underscore Dave Knott on Twitter.